welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. From now until September 15th, we are encouraging members to register to Paint It Forward as a way to give back to their local community. You can register individually or as a group on our website. Look for Paint It Forward under the Events tab to register. Hello and welcome to Coverage, a podcast for professional painters by professional painters. I'm your host, Craig Bunting. I began my career as a professional painter. Now I work for Benjamin Moore as Director of Professional Marketing in support of Pro Painters. In this series, I'm checking in with some of the best in our business. We're going to hear their stories, things we can learn from, things that make us laugh. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Jeff DuPont, a good friend of mine, is with us today. So, Jeff, tell us about yourself. Sure. Painting contractor in Seattle, Washington, third-generation painter, and trying to paint around the rain. No, I'm just playing. But, uh, yeah. Amazing. Third generation. So, how did the business get started? Interesting, you asked. Um, 2012, my wife and I moved to Seattle, so she could go to UW for accounting. I was either going to go back to school or paint. And uh, I supplied some different jobs and whatnot, and uh, I decided to open my own business, which is kind of jumping off a cliff, to be honest. You know, it's pretty scary. Um, and that's how I got started. You know, I need to, I needed a job, and I wanted to provide good service to people. So, so that's my story too, man. I uh, graduated in '02 with no plan. I was a painter for five years before I came to Ben Moore. So we have a lot of similarities. A lot of similarities. So tell me about what's going on now. I mean, things are different, right? Like the world's changed a bunch in the last 12 or 15 months or whatever it's been. So, you know, like, how do you guys adjust to that? How does that, has it work? You know, it's, it's been quite difficult to be honest. I mean, every state seems to have different standards in my opinion. So we're really trying to, we're leveraging our state associations. Like the PCA gives us some guidance, but in Washington state, we have the, MBA and the NAHB, the National Home Builder Association. So we really are trying to, because every state has different procedures. So we're really trying to stay in compliance with our state's regulations um, and keeping our team safe because it's like you have state law, you have national law, and then you have your kind of what makes your team feel safe. And it's it's been a wild ride because it changes weekly. You know, like one minute they say wear masks, one minute they say don't. So the first five or six months was a lot of shifting and pivoting and telling your team at a COVID meeting one thing and then changing. I feel like the last six months or the last nine months, we've had pretty good guidance from our state and kind of from our associations. But uh, it definitely has not been easy because it's changing and evolving. Now they're lifted to the mask mandate, which we're not going to necessarily do yet. We're not going to jump the gun to be quick, but it's been an interesting time to pivot with business. Yeah, I totally get it. I mean, that's that's kind of our all all of our challenges, right? It's like, how do you adjust to whatever today is going to be. And today is a different every day. You know, I met years and years ago in, in New Jersey at our at our HQ and we had a, a great conversation. And I'm thinking about some of the things you said to me at that meeting about systems and things you use, yes. things you do to like, you know, you've got 30 people painting now, right? Which is, that's a big crew. I mean, it's not an easy thing to manage that many people. And I'm just curious about like, how, how did you get to 30 how, what did you do? What systems do you use? How do you adjust as time goes on? Because you have to, right? I mean, you, you have to evolve. So I'm dying to understand like how that all works. Sure. Uh, 
first off, they always say trial and error. I mean, that's the truth, man. Uh, we started a <laughs> year one, we did a hundred and I mean, it's the truth. I mean, when we were 110,000 year one, we had no plan. We had no systems. My wife was at university of Washington and I was just trying to figure out how to, I knew how to paint. You know, I started painting at 13. I was just trying to make clients happy and do the best work I could. Right. The first couple of years was kind of a whirlwind. You kind of make mistakes and you learn. But early on, we realized the importance of getting into a consulting group. We got into a peer group called Nolan Consulting. Yes. But you don't necessarily need a consulting group, but just having a coach or having somebody you can talk to, even if it's a, a, a smaller peer group. Because Nolan is amazing and, uh, and super uh, happy to be associated with them. And it's been nothing but great for our business. I think we went from, you know, 300,000 to over 3 million this year. So we're growing, you know, a thousand percent. So it's been uh, amazing for us. But I think just in the beginning, finding things like the PCA and just reading as many articles as you can and trying to kind of look at uh, paint contractor or, or uh, APC magazine, things that Benjamin Moore puts out, paint contractors, just anything with information that you can talk to someone or there's Facebook groups. Um, but really... Everyone tries to do it on their own in the beginning. And I did that for a couple of years and I realized really quick that it, it wasn't moving the needle very fast. And we started talking to people and collaborating. It started to move a lot faster. So I think just don't be scared to ask for help because in the beginning, uh, you know, we were trying to do it all ourselves and it worked for a while. And uh, my wife was kind of, she's an accountant by trade. So she, she was like, okay, we need systems, we, you know, and processes. Um, and, I kind of saw the importance about year two that we were running around with my head cut off trying to, you know, well, call one well, client, right. put out a fire here. Well, we hear is like you hit a ceiling, right? There, there comes a point where yeah. you just can't get past it and, and you have to have systems and processes to get there. But the other yeah. thing that I was thinking about when, before we got on this call today was about um, your relationship with your retailer, right? So you, you got into this business and, you know, you're a painter like me and I relied on the retailer to tell me everything. It's like, I don't know how to do this sure. or do that or whatever. And so how does that work? I mean, that relationship with, with I'm assuming Jim, right. And Jim yeah. Mallory in that market, who is a fantastic customer of ours um, and somebody who I hide hold in very high regard. I mean, how does that work for you? Like, how does that relationship go? And yeah. So, I mean, in general, you're, I think some people will lay on their retailer more than others or rely upon their retailer more than others. Um, with me, it always worked about one, like if you want to know what's going on in the industry and like products changing, you talk to your rep. But if you work with a really good partner, say with Jim, for instance, they're going to, your, your rep has a lot of experience. So if you have product questions, I mean, anytime I had a weird product, like let's say I have rusted handrails and I need to do a DTM primer and I've never done that, you go talk to your rep. So you really can rely upon your rep one to know what's going on in the market. You can sit down and talk to your rep for a half hour and they have a hundred different paint vendors they deal with. So if you say like, Hey, are we going into a recession? What what do you see happening? You know, I mean, obviously there's there's large stuff going on in the news, but for me, I, if I want to find something out, I always want to talk to people on the ground. You know, you don't want to talk to the dude who's not out there selling. You want to talk to the paint rep who's selling paint. You know, so you can understand marketing trends. And and my rep is always amazing. Uh, Linda's worked for Jim, I think, for 15 years, and she never guided me with wrong information. If I had a job of peeling paint or something was misprepped or whatever. She always guide me through it. And uh, you should lean on your vendor. You know, they know a lot about paint and they have training to kind of help you there. And uh, Jim even hosted some marketing stuff over the years too, I think. Um, he's had some different people out there at his store. He's provided his store to people to kind of help 
newer painters kind of get their feet wet in the industry too. So I think we were talking about the value of your rep, right? And the thing that, you know, your, your retailer or your rep brings to your business. And, uh, you know, it's something that I relied on a lot, you know, years ago. And, and I think it's what you were, what path you were going down just before. So, you know, like what, what does that mean to you? I mean, when you, when you're in trouble, when you see something that goes sideways, I mean, the, the ability to pick up the phone, do you text the rep? Do you call the rep? Do you, sure. how, do, how do you handle it? So I typically would text. I mean, in today's world, I usually text just because even I find myself, people will call me and I'd always answer. So I like text just so I can get back to people. And that way there's context behind it. Um, but yeah, typically I would text my rep and I would just say like, hey, let's just say I'm having some stain going, a problem with stain on a house. I would text my rep and just say, hey, this is what I have going on. Send some photos. What do you think? And I kind of get the ball. Rolling. But the importance is if you have a good retailer that has your back or a vendor, um, you build a relationship and a trust with that person and they will take, I mean, if, as long as you're not calling them every week about a problem and you, you call them when you have a legit concern, they'll take care of you. So typically what I would do with my rep, if I had a problem, let's just say some paint wasn't adhering properly to the wall, I would send her a couple photos just so she has some contacts and I would jump on the phone later on in the day. If it's something I think we could resolve with the information she gave me, I would reach back out to the client and say, Hey, this is what my rep said. This is what we should do. But if it's worse off, I would have my rep come visit the site and just take a look at it, you know, and get his or her opinion to, to take a peek at it. And you're not going to get that service if you don't develop a good relationship with one or two vendors and you have a good working relationship with them. If you just buy paint, whoever's the cheapest and you shop around, it's not going to work. So if you pick one or two main retailers, you build a, a relationship. They get to know you in the store, they'll refer you work. And um, so in bad situations, I've had my rep come take a look at, you know, a couple jobs here and there. I think she's been out a half dozen times in ten, nine and a half years. So, so I'll, I'll give you. I'll make you a deal. I'll give you my horror story as a paint rep. If you give me your horror story as a painter, deal. Okay, sure. All deal. Right, deal. So I went to look at a um, a metal roof job. Right, this is twenty years ago, and in the summer. And as we got up on the roof, the wind blew, and when it blew, the ladder blew down. So I sat on the roof for five and a half hours with a painter who was pissed off about, you know, failing paint. Um, And we became incredibly close friends over those five and a half hours when we could not get a single person to put that ladder back up because we were in the middle of nowhere. So that's my that's my story as a as a paint rep. What do you what do you got? Man, I've I've seen everything and anything. I'll tell you some stories, not so much in my business, because I'm a little quicker to get rid of people if they don't work out. But in my dad's business. I love my dad, but we had some interesting people, man. People that, uh, you know, drinking alcohol on a roof to, you know, hide. Like, so there, there's one of my, wor- I guess there's a good story that fits it. I don't know if it's my worst, one of the close. I was like 18 or 19. I was the job lead on this job and I'm painting the front of a house. And uh, like, it smells like beer. And then I'm, I'm looking in the gutter. There's a beer can. I'm like, okay, this is kind of strange. And then about another 20 feet, there's another beer can. And before you know it, this guy was actively drinking on the job painting, but leaving the beer cans behind in the gutter. So it was like by, by about the third one, I'm like, something's off here. I'm like, the client hasn't been cleaning up here. So we had to get rid of him. We pulled him down, you know, we had to, to let him go, but he was actually like drinking beer as he was painting faces up on the second story and then stashing them in the gutter as we were moving along the cans. That's too bad. So, so we started with the blow. Let's go to the top. What's the best you got? You go first and I'll go second. So best paint story. Uh, Honestly, 
my management meeting yesterday. It's the first time in nine years. So I started this company nine years ago. It was just me. We started growing. My wife came on. We're 34 employees today. We're going to try to grow to 150 employees and keep growing. But uh, yesterday is the first time that we've actually had a... I mean, our management team's been growing. We have five people on our management team. And it's the first time that like, you know, it's not just my wife and I making the calls. We have a team and, and, and they go to toe with us, you know, and, the, and they push back. And it's just the first time that I've ever actually felt like, wow, in my organization, that we're not there. We've got a long ways to go, but that things are really clicking. I mean, I have five crew leads. We've got a couple of carpenters. We just have an amazing team. And it's the first time it's really easy to get caught up in the mix and not really think about where you've come, how far you've come, I guess. But uh, that's probably the highlight. I mean, I know it was just yesterday, but just that's sitting in this awesome. meeting, I talked for 15 minutes and it's like, you know, it's a two hour meeting. Normally I'm talking for an hour. So it's just great to, to see other people flowing and uh, our team is really stepping up. We got a long ways to go, but I'm really blessed to have the people I work with and I wouldn't be here without them. That, so. that is absolutely incredible. Thanks for sharing that. So, so your meeting, like, how does it go? I mean, you've got like just a feedback kind of thing. How often do you meet? How's it work? So, I mean, we use a framework from summit. So we have a really structured, we have a really good business structure with systems and stuff. Yeah. I also like the book, uh, there's E-Myth by Michael Gerber. It's great. There's a book, Traction by Gina Wickman that I really like too. It's yeah. like, you know, there's Death by Media. There's all kinds of good books. But uh, so typically we do a huddle every other week where we do a management huddle for 30 minutes where the five of us check in. We check in with goals to see kind of how we progressed and how we did. And then once a quarter, we do a three-hour management meeting where we all meet. But we check in and do a huddle every two weeks for a half hour just to see where we're at with our big rocks or whatever our quarterly goals are. You know, some people call them smart goals, which I think is measurable, attainable, relevant, time sensitive, I think. But uh, so yeah, that's kind of how it works. We do a weekly crew lead meeting, but we check in every two weeks to make sure we, we hold everybody accountable. Like, hey, how are you at with your goal? Where is it at? If you're off track, what do you need to do to get back on track? You're listening to Benjamin Moore's Coverage, a podcast for professional painters by professional painters. Now let's get back to our interview. So my, my best moment as a paint rep, not in the paint business, but as a paint rep was I had a guy call me, a customer, you know, a painter, who said I, I, I lost my liability insurance guy. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I'm a paint sale. I don't know what the hell is going on. But, but what clicked for me was like, he came to me because I was an asset to his business. And that is sure. what I think we should all try to be as we work for each other, right? Yeah. I mean, we're all trying to move the business forward. And in and, and that sure. moment, I'll never forget it because you just think like, well, you know what? The first number he clicked was mine. And that means that sure. I'm a part of his business, right? And that's what I think we should, you know, aspire to be. Um, Definitely. Yeah. To like relationships and that kind of thing. Um, so what's, what's it like painting outside in Seattle? I mean, it's got to be, you're dodging bullets every day, right? I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. Okay. It's a very similar climate. It's six and six, though. I think that's uh, Craig Bond down there is a venture for up yep. top. He sure is. So, he sure is. So it's not as bad as everybody thinks. You just have to, I mean, you get smart with it. It's probably like, I mean, I'm sure in New York, there's a lot of rain. I go to the city quite a bit. My uncle lives in Brooklyn and it rains, it snows, you get out kind of everything. But six and six, you work outside uh, April through October, you work inside October through April. But kind of like these kind of months, we just try to bridge some interiors. So you just, I think in, February, March, April, May, June, you have to be prepared that it could rain any day. It, the weather could say it's going to be nice. So you always want to have some interiors kind of going along. Now, in the beginning, 
we weren't that smart. We would have an exterior and rain for three days. We work Saturday, Sunday, and just try to make up the time. But now when we're in the wetter months, we try to have half interior, half exterior. So if it rains, we can pull our guys off. It's not perfect, but uh, you just have to anticipate. I got up this morning. We had a marine layer come up over the sound, pushed up in. It wasn't raining, but it was sprinkling. You know, I got a like superintendent got a couple of calls. He's like, what do you want me to do? And I was like, hey, just tell him to keep working for half a day and we'll go from there. But uh, it, it it's not easy. It's supposed to be sunny and it's raining. Okay. So we deal with every day. Yeah. That, so I'm so. thinking about somebody listening to this in Chicago, hearing the term marine layer it's not going to resonate. <laughs> they don't know what that okay. is, right? So you've been out to Jersey a couple of times, not dissimilar um, to Seattle in some ways, right? In terms of the crazy climate and that guy, you know, when you, when you think about, you know, what, where you're going with your business, right? What is like, where are you headed? What, what do you want to, you're, you know, relatively new in the industry, sure. you're a younger guy. And yeah. What, what, where do you want to go? Like, what do you What do you want to be? What's your What's your focus going forward? It's a good question. So we started primaries high end residential, and I've kind of been getting more into commercial. I've realized as we grow, we're going to have to kind of shift and pivot. I know they always say that, but until you actually, I think, go through it, things change. I would see us as a high end residential painting company, fifty percent commercial, thirty percent residential painting, twenty percent carpentry. There's a huge market for carpenter. I have two carpenters right now. But I'd like to grow to probably a 130 to 150 person organization. And it's really just making sure the team wants to be part of it because you can't do it on your own. So like right now we have 34 people and you know, there's always a revolving door of 10 or 15% that leave and go, but we have 75% of our people that really want to be here and you know, they really want to see us grow. So I want to keep growing as long as it's fun, but I also want to make sure that it's healthy for the team. I I don't want to push growth so much that. If we have a bad year, I don't want like COVID. We still grew about 400 grand last year, but we could have grown. We could have grew a million if we wouldn't have been shut down for several weeks. But it's just making sure the growth is obtainable and fun because I feel like if you get too caught up in the growth and you don't have the fun part, like what are you fighting for, right? Because I mean, it's like at a certain point, you'll need so much money to survive, right? You know, I have rentals and I, I'm smart with my money. I invest and I keep doing that with my personal and max retirement, all that stuff. But if I make another 50,000 next year, that's not going to change my life. Like I'm not going to go out and spend it. So it's really making sure you're having fun with the growth. And as long as it's fun, I'm going to keep growing. And so far it's been fun for nine years and I love it. So how do you manage that? Like, so labor's tough, right? Yeah. We always know that's the thing. Definitely. Right. Yeah. So how do you find painters? How do you, you're going to lose them. You're going to gain them. That's part of the, part of the game. Right. I don't want to tell you all my secrets, but uh, <laughs> the, the biggest key that, no, no, it's fine. The biggest key that I found, I mean, so like recruiting is all, I think everyone has a labor shortage. I don't know how unemployment is, is rose up. And then states are saying people can't hire, especially like in Seattle. I saw an article on the food worker industry or the, the hospitality industry. They can't hire people. I mean, it's a challenge. I'm not going to lie. If I could hire 10 painters tomorrow, I could grow a million dollars. It's definitely not easy. But I think the key is when you get really good employees, first off, you got to take care of those people because the less training revolving open door you have, it costs a lot of money to train somebody. People, I don't know the exact amount that it costs to train. I could ask my wife. But every employee, you know, if you spend $3,000 training someone for a summer and then they paint for three months and they leave, that's great. But if you have 25 painters for the summer and you drop to 18, and then you only have to hire nine more next year, that's less people you have to hire. So that's one of our secrets is just retain what we have. Because it's like every year we have to build and pick up momentum. But I don't go from 30 painters to seven I keep my team busy year round. I retire, but I have health insurance. 
And that really helps me build every year. I have a core base and I can build off of that base. Because if I had to restart every year, it would, it would be a lot of work. But then uh, you got to make sure you hire early on in the season. You know, like if you have a, season, a seasonal business, we're busy year round with winners. We will lose money for a few months to keep the team going. But let's just say somebody painted in Seattle for eight months out of the year. Well, if you hire people in March and everyone's hired, are you going to pick up anybody? It's slim pickings. So you got to start early enough. So for us, I bring on people in the slow times when other people can't hire because I'll get jobs. I'll get a big commercial job or something where I can throw 10 people at and just keep, keep it rolling. You know, Sometimes you have to lose money to make money. It's been harder this year because of COVID because we can only have so many people on a job. But I'll throw eight people on a job site where I'll lose a thousand bucks on that job to keep my team busy if I have to and pick up a few extra people. And you know, we're all doing the same thing. We're doing Indeed and Craigslist and you know all that stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of little marketing tips I could throw out there. I got a few secrets, but it's really the biggest advice I could give you is why not why not grow off what you have? Because it's like if you have 10 good people and you're like, hey, I can only keep five on for the summer, why not try to keep for the winter? Why not try to keep eight on? And then the next year, if you want to have 13 painters, you only have to hire five rather than restart and then hire what you need because turnover will will kick your butt. If, if you can avoid that, that's one of my biggest secret is just holding on to what I got. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great, great point. So I have to ask you the question. It's going to be tough to, it's like Sophie's choice. Like who, who is the one, if that person left, what happens like that, the devastating departure. Good point. So in the beginning, it would have been probably my superintendent. So originally my thought was I'd hire one person to do my job. That's not the truth. You need many people in your organization that if you lose them, it won't take you down. So this is the first year that if I lost any one person, my superintendent would probably hurt me the most. He's known me for six years. I love him. He'll probably retire with us. Or I'm hoping he will. I hired a production manager last year. And we have my wife. We have our sales guy. Our sales guy would really hurt us too. I guess he'd probably be the biggest guy that hurt us from a sales standpoint if we lost him. But the goal is to not put too much on one person if you do lose them. But I guess my sales guy. There you go. So you answered that question incorrectly, Jeff. Your wife works in the business. You should have said her. I mean... If you lose her, you're totally Well, yeah. <laughs> if I lose her, we're going to be in a world of trouble both sides. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, she's- it's a great answer, man. I mean, and, and that's the kind of thing that you have to think about, right? Like, what's the, the thing if you lost yeah. it tomorrow? Like, what's going what's gonna to string you up, right? And, and that's exactly the way to think about it. It's like, you know, gosh, I mean, if, if this was gone tomorrow, what would I do, right? And, and you know, that's why you value those people the way that you do. So the last question I have, I think, is around color which is a huge part of our world right like we are leaders in color we've got that whole thing nailed down but what we also know is that you know as we as we you know we lead the color game we lose something when it comes to matching color because we you know people tint our colors and and everything so like how do you guys handle that i mean do you talk to customers about that you know accuracy do you do do they say anything to you about it like how's that all go yeah, I mean, so honestly, if I had to pick one challenge outside of like employee problems and that kind of stuff, it is color. Last Friday, we had start, we started six jobs this Monday. We had two clients change color. Color has so many nuances. So one, like you said, exactly. Let's just say Sherwin is matching or Benjamin Moore is matching Sherwin color. Or even if you take Gen X color it and you want to make it and say Ben exterior, it's not going to look 100%. So we definitely have to have that conversation with the client saying, hey... You're using, uh, you picked a color from Lowe's and we're going to make it invention more. It's going to be 
So there's definitely around that color. And a majority of clients are fine, but you do have to have that conversation. But the hardest one is, is clients that can't pick whites or grays and they think they have too much blue tone and going through that, you know, uh, that's the hardest problem that we run into is, is the color matches is 10%. It, it's mostly though that people who just can't make up their mind, you know, so kind of coaching your client through that or helping them get a designer to, they have 17 grays on the side of their house and three of them have too much blue. One is not enough blue. One's got too much red. And then the other one's the color they like, but they want to made it 75%. So if you have to short circuit that conversation, if you have to like take the, I can't pick which gray and, and he or she can't decide, what do you do? Like, what's the thing that helps jump that gap? So recommend a few colors, but not too many recommendations. So the biggest thing that I found short and sweet, send them, they say, I like a gray. You send them three colors and you say, Hey, I need you to pick for one of these three because people who can't, or they're indecisive, too many options is going to slow it down. So if I have a client who can't make up their mind, I'll send them two or three whites. And usually they trust us to do that. And I have to make a decision from there. It's hard. Color's hard. The color is hard. It's the hardest part of the business, right? So what are you looking forward to? What's the, what's the next milestone on oh, the horizon? The one thing about having a great team and using a lot of tech for our business, we can work anywhere. So like, you got to be in the business. You got to pay your rent every day and be there. But if I can be gone two weeks every month and it's no problem. I'd like to get back to some international travel, but the biggest trip we currently have planned is we'll be in Kauai for two weeks in the middle of July. So that would be great to just go relax. Um, We we love Hawaii. So uh, that's the big trip coming up. I'm looking forward to just rolling out the carpet and and relaxing for 14 days. Well, it sounds like you got it nailed down, man. Good for you. And and I want to thank you really. I mean, bottom of my heart, thanks for, thanks for really doing this. I mean, I know time's money and giving us your time is, is incredible. Um, I, you know, the, the opportunity to speak to you and for you to be on this is just fantastic. And I, and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's much appreciated. And, uh, as always, thanks for taking your time. You've always been great showing me around, you know, when uh, you give me a tour of corporate and stuff. So thank you. Least I can do. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coverage. If you enjoyed this podcast from Benjamin Moore, be sure to subscribe and share it with other professional painters. Follow us on Instagram at Benjamin Moore Pro. DM us with questions, comments, or future topic suggestions. Let us know if you would be interested in being a guest. This is your podcast, and we want to hear from you. In the meantime, stay busy, and we'll see you on the next episode of Coverage. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.